Welcome to The Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Determined Mom Show. And I have a really special guest, Michelle Marie from Put Your Passion to Work. She helps women find their passion and monetize their business or monetize their passion. Um, And she also helps coaches and service-based entrepreneurs as well. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you. I love the topic that we're going to be talking about today, um, which is discovery calls. This is a a super... I guess, touchy subject in some uh, areas. And um, it can be like, should I do a discovery call? Should I not do it? But um, I love that you're here to talk to us about that. And I also, before we get started, I want to learn more about you. And I want the audience to know a little bit about you. So how did you get started working from home and, you know, just doing what you do? Sure. So everyone knows this about me, but I actually... I'm not a coach full-time. I'm a coach part-time. I'm a network engineer by trade. So I do still work a nine to five, but I am able to work from home, primarily out of my home office. I've been with the same company for 18 years, so almost half my life. And I've built this career. Yep. And I'd say maybe two and a half to two years ago, I was approaching I guess a mid-career crisis is what I would call it. I was approaching the 18-year mark and I'm almost 37 years old. So half my life literally has been with this company because I I joined right out of high school and I was working my way up through the ranks. I got my bachelor's degree and then went back to school for my master's degree. And I still wasn't feeling fulfilled. And, you know, our nine to fives, they pay our bills, they give us benefits and all these things that are very hard to walk away from. However, I was no longer willing to climb that corporate ladder because what that would mean. And after I got married and became a mom, I have two boys ages six and eight years old. After I became a mom, I thought, gosh, for me to climb that next rung on the corporate ladder meant more time away from my family, working 50 plus hours a week, working out of the home, probably having to travel. It just didn't fit my life goals anymore. So I made decision to pursue my passion. And that's how my entire brand was born. Put your passion to work. And through my own life coaching that I've received and working through like what my passions were, because I have a lot of them, I realized like throughout my life, there were sprinkles of helping others, training others, leading others. I was a VP for a women's networking group inside my company. I ran mentoring circles, which are just like masterminds. Mm-hmm. I did um, career coaching through that role and position. And it was all voluntary for a nonprofit. So I said, what if I could monetize this? This is what I love to do. And I used to say, if I could get paid for this in my company, I would be so happy. So I created it on my own. And now I'm a business coach and strategist for women like me who want to find and pursue their passion, like beyond their nine to five, not necessarily leave it, although that can be a goal as well, but to find like five hours in your week to build your business and really make additional income or replace your income. That's awesome. I love it. And I love that story. And I think it's awesome that you're um, at your career for 18 years or at the same company. That's one of those things that um, it's like, 
our parents expect that of us. Um, And your parents probably love you, by the way. But, you know, it's something it's that's almost unheard of. I actually have not met anyone else that I can think of in our generation that has been with a company for 18 years, like zero people come to mind. So you're right. I have this conversation all the time and people... I almost think of it as an experiment now. Like how long can I go? Like, can I make it the long haul? I know I'll be vested in like 14 years, like 14 more short years of my life. I'll be vested with a full pension. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make it. There's a lot of like cutbacks and layoffs. So this is even great too, because it's like a a plan B. Not all my income eds are in one basket, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you know this, but the average millionaire has seven different streams of income. And so I asked myself and my husband, like, how many do we have? And let's increase that. And so this is just another way, again, to pursue passion and monetize. But yeah, um, I remember in high school learning that you will have an average of five different jobs in five different companies. I've had five different jobs just within the same company. So yeah, I know I'm a little bit of like a exception to the rule that way. Definitely, definitely. It's crazy. I'm I, I'm the opposite of that. So at my 10-year class reunion, I actually won a bottle of wine because I had the most jobs since high school. Oh, I think okay. at that point, and that was like, I don't want to date myself, but that was already like uh, another decade ago. Right, um, right. And I think I, at that point I had like 30-ish because um, I, I was just counting like all my part-time jobs and all the jobs I had in college and all of the everything. And I am like a serial hopper. Um, I can't, after I master something, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm bored. I got to get over it. Um, and that's why I love owning my own business because I can reinvent different streams of income. I love that you said that. I'm the same way. And that's why I really love like the business coach and strategist world because I can talk about and learn about and master so many different subtopics within my niche. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that too. Um, so I love your passion. I love your business name, first of all. Um, so tell us more about the discovery calls, like how to love and close more sales on discovery calls. These are like the thorn in everyone's side. For the most part, for most coaches that I know, it's like, okay, I want, I know I need to do discovery calls because I need to get that, establish the rapport with the client, see if we're going to be a good fit, that kind of thing. But then most coaches are not salespeople. So that in itself creates a point of contention, you know, internally and within your business where you don't want to have to sell. um, But at the same time, it's like you have to. Exactly. And Amanda, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly how I got started with discovery call coaching, so to speak, with my one-on-one clients and students. I noticed this repeating pattern that people were dreading discovery calls. And a discovery call is basically like a consult call, a fitting call. It could be a sales call. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but all these, whatever you call it, it's meeting someone face-to-face or through Zoom online and basically pitching your services or learning more about that person and hopefully providing a little bit of value in exchange for their time and energy into basically trying to get paid customers and clients. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching and I realized like everyone is either afraid They don't like the word sales. They're dreading discovery calls, like I mentioned before. And what I see them as and what I then teach my clients and students is to look at them. So it's kind of like the first is the mindset approach to it, 
is to change your mindset and start looking at them like these exciting and beautiful opportunities to connect with someone who's interested in speaking with you and learning more about your offerings. That right there is a huge step when you're talking about learning how to love and get good at discovery calls. Oh, I love that. It's amazing to think that we just a simple mindset shift can transform how we feel. But now that you say that, I think about like, when I get on a call with someone, I, I actually am genuinely excited because I am uh, super excited to connect with people. Um, and so I look at every opportunity to connect as, you know, like maybe there's some sort of reciprocal, um, even if a sale doesn't come out of it maybe there's some sort of reciprocal um, relationship we can form. Yeah, exactly. And connecting with people even beyond like the discovery call where you sit down and you're talking about your offerings uh, to your point there, networking, you never know who that person may refer you to, or they could themselves become a potential client or student someday. I've had that happen a lot with people that I've interviewed on my own podcast. I've had that happen in in-person networking events. And that's all kind of outside the discovery call process. But the most important thing really to remember is that they book time with you. So you are already the expert in their mind and they might be just as nervous. So do what you need to do to get your energy up so that you're not being like shy or nervous. I want you guys to be just as excited as Amanda and I are when we get on our discovery calls and look forward to connecting with somebody. Yeah, that's a great tip. I love that. So what are the other, I guess, guidelines or tips that you share with your clients for discovery calls? And and mainly that probably the sales portion is probably the most nerve wracking part. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be a sales conversation. I always ask for permission in case it didn't already happen naturally during the conversation. So I'm going to give you guys like three simple steps that you can do to start converting more of your discovery calls into sales. And some of that does not even include getting the sale before the call ends. (laughs) So the pressure is off right now. Um, And you already said it. So step one is building rapport. So my biggest sales tip, and by the way, I spent out of my 18-year tenure with my company, um, I spent three of those years doing hardcore selling, like car salesman selling over the phone. And so I got really good at that version, but it was a very like hustly and we don't want that hustly version as coaches and service-based entrepreneurs. That doesn't feel good. That's the kind of sales that people think about and dread. So this is more of serving. So you're serving your potential clients through providing a little bit of value and then asking permission to go into that sales conversation. If time runs out, or if that person already isn't whipping out their credit card to book with you, because I've had that happen as well, then you can have a follow-up process via email or in another social media like DM or something like that. But the best thing you can do is ask for permission. And so what that sounds like is like this. You can say, you know, Amy, I know you booked a call with me today because you were interested in learning about my products and services. And side note, I know that because I've screened her. I've made her answer a series of questions before jumping on the call with her. Mm -hmm. And I can say, you know, what questions do you have for me? Or I can say, do you have two minutes? And I can kind of show you behind the scenes in my programs. You can see all the modules and you can actually see what is being offered to you. So I can help you with your transformation. And I wouldn't say with your transformation, but I would fill in the blank at that point and say, 
so that I can help you start to scale your coaching business to five figures. Or we can work on the three top organic marketing strategies for your business so you can get your next five clients. And then I would show them or tell them a little bit more about my offering. So just backing up that first step though, before we get into all that stuff is building rapport. And the pro tip is to smile. Sales pros say that smiling when you talk can make you really relatable and it's 40% more to increase sales. And you can hear when someone's smiling over the phone, you can hear it in their voice when they're excited. So that's how I want everyone to approach discovery calls right off the bat is building that rapport and smiling. Ooh, I love those two tips. Those are great. I've I've heard the the smiling one, um, you know, over the years in my sales career. <laughs> but uh, I love, love, love the asking for permission. I think that's such a huge, huge deal, and it's already like an understood thing. But I think bringing it out in the open also gives that person permission to ask more questions or ask about pricing or ask about you know those other things, right? Right, exactly. So asking for permission is such a surefire way to jump into that, but you don't even have to say and ask for the sale. You can just give them information and say, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts? You know, are you ready to invest in yourself? And what would it take for you to take the next step with me? Because I know I can help you. And that leads into step two of the discovery call conversion is using an I help statement. So kind of after you've built that rapport, um, it's really time to put that person's mind at ease by reiterating their pain point or their reason for booking the call with you. So that can sound something like this. Amy, I see you booked a call with me today. You're feeling overwhelmed. You just don't know where to get started with your online business. So tell me more about that. And then you stop and then you listen and you just go back and forth, ask a couple follow-up questions. Then your I help statement comes in and it's, it's time to say, Something like, you know, Amy, that's exactly what I teach step-by-step in my program. It's helped me and my clients so, so much. And I know it's going to help you too. It's going to beat the overwhelm once and for all. You're going to know exactly what to work on when you sit down in your business. Like you get the point. It's your time to kind of like gush about what you're good at, like your expertise at this point. Yeah, that's awesome. I think definitely I can see it's almost like a natural conversational sales process as opposed to like you said the icky car salesman kind of thing. So I love this flow. I love it. Yeah, and the main thing too is to remember this and it's you sell the solution to the problem, not the product that you sell. Mm-hmm. And so if you're very clear on how you solve your customers and clients problems, then that's all you really need to talk about to get people excited to work with you and to build that know, like, and trust factor during this call as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's such a good point. And I think we need to repeat that. Um, can you repeat the part about the product and the service? Yeah, absolutely. So you sell the solution to the problem, not the product you sell. Mm. Wow. Your product is just the byproduct of the solution to that problem. And if you can nail this, you will get so many sales in your business. I love it. That's awesome. Is that the last and final step of the process or? There's one more. 
Okay. I kind of touched on this in the beginning, but it's called the follow-up sequence. And so again, this is where you wrap up the call. You're going to ask for any last second questions that Amy might have for you. You will reiterate your I help statement. Now here's where the flow of the call is going to come into play. If it went really well and you are feeling like this is your perfect client and you want to offer, you can say, I'd love to work with you again. What are you thinking? What would it take to invest in the program? you know, offer a bonus, something like that. If you don't feel comfortable talking about pricing, then I want you to ask for permission to send an immediate follow-up email and then give the link to your work with me page or like your checkout page. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, yeah, all this was, it was a normal conversation with someone who contacted you for your services. You never got pushy and asked for the sale. You never made them buy before they got off the phone. I don't know if you've ever been on those calls. I have in the coaching world. They're horrible. Like they have to hear no three times before they let you off. I've done it just for research purposes Mm -hmm. and it wasn't fun and it feels icky. And, uh, you know, that's why I think it's so important. Just show up, smile, be human. Know that if you haven't done many of these, it's going to be uncomfortable It's going to be a little nerve wracking, but the more that you get practice in doing them, the better you'll get. Okay. I love that. And I think this is such a valuable call for everyone listening or not call. We're on a call, but this is such a valuable lesson and session for everyone that's listening. And let me ask you a question that's coming to my mind. Cause when you were talking about that, um, about the sale, like the sales call that you had that wasn't good, the discovery Mm -hmm. call, right? And that was like definitely a sales call. And I would say I would put that in a different category. But um, because I recently had that experience with someone who I signed up just to find out more information about their program. And then they called and it wasn't even that person calling. They had like another coach calling um, that's on their staff. And then they repeatedly left me like, 15 voicemails over the course of like a few weeks. And like, I was like, okay, this is just weird. Like, it's not even like it's beyond the point of um, being comfortable. So what was like your worst experience? I would have to say it's been kind of a similar story that you just described. It Mm -hmm. was some big guru. I wanted to learn more about the program Someone called me and Mm -hmm. talked to me for an entire hour and then pitched me at the end and would not let me go. I basically had to hang up on this person and it just didn't feel good. I'm not going to make a four to five figure investment after one hour call with not seeing anything, not doing my own research, not being able to take the night and sleep on it, not being able to speak to my husband about this huge investment that I make. It's my business. It's my income and revenue but I still want to go to the people, my support system and do my own research. So it was a very pitchy, like cold calling, never once even asked me my business or took the time to look at my website. Mm -hmm. And it was just a very hustly. Yeah. Like you said, a sales call, not, it was like a discovery call, uh, front for a completely hustly sales call. So we don't do those in our business. A lot of us were like solopreneurs and we're not going to have some sales guy, show up to a call for us. Yeah. Um, so don't treat it like that. Like you said, it's in a completely different realm. And um, some of these tips that I gave you guys today, I have available in my discovery call roadmap. So I can give you the link to put in your show notes. And it's like inside of it, it has swipe files, my exact follow-up sequence that I use. It has how to book more calls, like where to show up and what to do to get them passively. So it's a really good resource. And um, 
I think if you take the time to do it in practice, uh, you will notice that you will increase your revenue up to like 80%. Um, Eight out of 10 calls that I have usually end with someone booking with me just by following these steps that I shared with you today. That's awesome. Well, this has been a wealth of knowledge. I've learned a lot personally, and I love your conversational discovery call method. I would, that's what I would call it because it definitely isn't, you know, pushing sales and it isn't like we were talking about the ickies, but, um, so you can find Michelle at putyourpassiontowork.com. However, is there anywhere else that you regularly hang out like Instagram, Facebook, where's your favorite place? Instagram. I do love, love to hang out on Instagram. So same handle at put your passion to work. Okay. Awesome. So definitely reach out to Michelle. She is a wealth of knowledge for everything, sales and sales pages and discovery calls, everything. So um, definitely reach out to her. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for being here. And I have one final question for you. What is your favorite thing about being able to work from home? My favorite thing being able to work from home, hands down, is being able to cook breakfast for my boys every single morning and watch them get on the bus and be home for them when they come off the bus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's one of my favorites too. I love it. Yeah. One of my daughters, I was always like, why do you work so much? Like, cause at, at this point I'm hosting a summit. So I'm in like crazy summit oh, mode. Yeah. And um, she's like, why do you work so much? And I'm like, look, if I was working at the job that I previously worked at, I would still be at work. You wouldn't have seen me all day. I wouldn't have got you on the bus. I wouldn't have gotten off the bus. Like, you know, like there's a, a little bit of, uh, you know, like taking for granted that they have right now because they don't remember because it was so long ago, um, me working outside the home. Well, so. I got to use that one. School them, girl. I have to use that one because sometimes I'll be mom, you're always on your computer. And I'm like, you just see it. I, I would be on my computer, not here right now, if it wasn't my, for my ability to work from home. So that's so that. true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, okay, well, you would, you know, I wouldn't be able to go on your field trip or I wouldn't be able to do all of the things, you know? So yeah, it's a little exactly. bit of a sacrifice, but it balances out. Yeah. Just yesterday it was parent lunch week at school and I took, you know, an hour to an hour and a half off just to go hang out with my boys, have lunch, go to their little book fair. And I don't know if I'd be able to do that if I worked, you know, 30 minutes in another town, mm -hmm. um, working in an office environment. I mean, my nine to five though, I do have a very flexible schedule, thankfully, but I've earned it like over the years, definitely have earned it. So I think it's great. I think every mom, if she wants to work from home, she should have that opportunity. And we all need to pursue our passions in this life. Um, and so basically, that's my mission. And um, thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, I love that. And I love um, everything that you do to help moms. So thank you. This episode of the Determined Mom Show is brought to you by Online Marketing for Moms, the only marketing membership created especially to teach mom business owners SEO and many other marketing tools, systems, and strategies. Join today at onlinemarketingformoms.com. Use code PODCAST to get 20% off of your monthly or annual membership.